1: Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. In a world that can be challenging, and at times, unpredictable, it's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level, so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up. That by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host Stephanie James starts now. Welcome to Igniting the Spark with Stephanie James. So excited to have you here. I have a very special guest today, Dr. Jane Tornatori. And Jane is, (laughs) they say she's a brain geek and a love, self-love expert. As a psychotherapist, speaker, and author, she works with intelligent, motivated, high-achieving professionals who are committed to being better people, yet they never feel better enough. Business owners and entrepreneurs who finally want to trust themselves and stop second-guessing their decisions. So what separates Jane from other coaches and therapists is her down-to-earth, humorous, practical, and simple approach. And because of this, her clients become aware of the unconscious beliefs that keep them stuck and unsatisfied so they can choose thoughts and actions that really work for them rather than making them feel like crud. (laughs) <laughs> so we're going to be talking today about this wonderful book of hers as well called Everything is Perfect, Just Not Me, A Roadmap to Self-Acceptance. We are on the same wavelength, Jane. I'm excited to right? have this conversation. Welcome to The Spark. Thank you so much. Really happy to have you here. And so tell us a little bit, though, first about your background, kind of what brought you to where you are today.
0: Oh Well, originally, what made me want to be a therapist is my sister kind of dragged us all to a family therapist and because we didn't have the healthiest family functioning and our communication was awful. So the woman, I wasn't working in advertising in New York City at the time. So the woman started the session with this. My job is to put myself out of business. And I'm like, what? that's crazy. What are you talking? So she had my, she had my attention. She said, well, the more families I work with and they become healthier. And then if those kids go on to have partners and families and kids, they're going to be healthier. And then if those kids go on to have, you know, families, they're going to be healthier. She said pretty soon it'll spread around the world and I'm out of a job. And I went, I'm in the wrong business. I want to do that. So it was actually a family therapist that, you know, many
1: years later
0: got me into becoming a therapist myself. Oh, I love that
1: story. Yeah. So perfect. And that, that just makes me laugh because that's one of my lines that I use in my therapy as well. Really? So you know, I'm, I'm like, my job is to work myself out of a job. Awesome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And so how long have you been a therapist? How long have you been doing this now? say about 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. Could be 18 by now. It's been a while. 2005. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Time goes by fast. Absolutely. Well, tell me about the the motivation around this book. I love the title. Everything is perfect. Just not me. Right. Because that's how
0: so many people feel. Like I draw perfectionists to me because I am one or a recovering perfectionist is how I prefer to see it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But one of the things I love about perfectionists is that we know it can always be better and we're always striving to be better, which is awesome, right? As a therapist, that's our whole job is to help people be more them, healthier, you know, better communicators, better loving themselves, all that stuff, so it's awesome. The problem is... When we have a corollary to that of, and because I'm not that already, I suck. Mm -hmm. That's the downside of being the perfectionist and the high achiever. So my goal is to get people a little more aware of that and ease that a little bit because we never going to get rid of the, I have to be better, right? But if we can be kinder with, and I want to be better, I'm okay, and I want to be better, then that's such a kinder way. To be who we really want to be anyway.
1: Yes. And to me, what's landing with with me as well is this sense of like, if we can just feel good enough. Yes. You know, it's it's coming from a totally different base that we're operating from instead of lack, which that can never be filled.
0: Right. (laughs) So it's like,
1: yes. Okay. So if I feel okay, if I'm enough. Right then life can be so much easier, so much less pressured and anxious. Yeah, so much gentler and kinder. And what I've always
0: found, like one of my specialties is working with caregivers of people who have Alzheimer's, like family members. Mm. And what I've told every single one is when you are kinder to yourself, when you give yourself a little more self-care, you will be a better caregiver to your loved one. And I've never, and you know, I've been working in the field of Alzheimer's for over a quarter of a century now. I've never had a caregiver say, oh, you know what, Jane, now that I'm taking better care of myself, I suck as a caregiver. Like nobody has ever said that. <laughs> they always say, I'm more patient. I'm kinder. I'm just, I'm just more present and I'm not as mean. Like that's awesome. And that's, if that's true for caregivers, that's true for everybody.
1: Yes. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And I think sometimes as caregivers, and you know this as well, it's easy to get caught in that role where we're just giving, 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 and not taking that time. Yeah. Not checking in and, and maybe taking our own emotional temperature, so to speak. Yeah. What we need. Yeah. And you know, so I have lots of clients that say to me, well, I don't even know how to start. Like, how do I take care of myself? What do you recommend? How do people start taking care of themselves? I love that question. So one of the things I love
0: is super simple, easy techniques. You know, one of the reasons all the New Year's resolutions fail by, what, like January 17th or January 7th or something, it's super early, is we Mm -hmm. have these grand goals of I'm going to exercise an hour a day every day of the week. And, you know, they're just too big. We can't make that leap from I'm, I'm sitting watching Netflix all night to I'm going to do an hour of running around the streets. Right? So I love like simple ones. One of the things I started. Oh, I love this one. It's the last I think it's the, one of the last chapters of my book. And it's the one that freaks everybody out. So I'll just start with that one.
1: Yeah. Perfect. When I
0: was around 40, I attended a workshop. I just broken up with a boyfriend. I thought I was going to marry. And I attended a workshop with a woman who was probably in her 60s at that time about self-love and self-help and all that self-development. And she said, do you know one of the things I do every day to help myself love myself more? I get up in the morning naked and I stand in front of the mirror and go, hello, gorgeous (laughs) with her arms up. and, And I, I'm sad to say, was appalled because she didn't fit the beauty that I learned was what was acceptable. First of all, mm. she was in her 60s. She was not stick thin. She was just a normal, healthy woman. But I knew enough to say, Jane, that's a really sad reaction. That's not, that's not how you want to think. So this exercise is apparently for you, right? <laughs> yeah, so totally. the first day after the workshop, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I said, hello, gorgeous. And then I immediately collapsed, covered myself and saw everything I hated about myself. And I went, oh yes, this is for me. So Mm -hmm. I kept doing it day after day. And now I've been doing it 20 years, every day, 20 years. And I can tell you now at 60, so about her age, I'm like, here's what I like. And I like that part. And my butt's actually getting better. Like, I love my body now more than when I was 40. So while that one is super hard for people to do in the beginning, it packs a powerful punch, but it's little things like that. Another thing I got from Tara Brock is when we're hurting, when we're suffering, when we're beating ourselves up or just feeling hurt by somebody else, Tara Brock just says, put both hands on your heart and go, I'm hurting. Hmm. That is such an act of kindness and it just softens us. So those are two things that take literally 1 second but can have a profound effect if we just keep doing them time after time after time.
1: Yes, it's so beautiful. I I love Tara Brock and I love, you know, the the importance of acknowledging that we're just feeling something. Yes. You know, instead of pushing it away or like the beach ball that we're trying to push under the water, you know this pressure, 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 and then it just ends up smacking right. us in the face. Know. You know, it comes out sideways, right? It, <laughs> it does, it does. And so, to really just embrace it, it, what a kind, beautiful gesture. Yes, as you said, just to say, "Oh, I'm hurting," or to admit, you know, I feel angry. Yes, right now, or I'm frustrated, or I'm anxious, whatever that is. Whatever I'm feeling is. that right now. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And
0: what I found, and I just went through an, a, a, an argument with my partner and it just hit me again. When we are honest and vulnerable, it opens the heart of the other person. It can't help when we're like, oh, I'm, I'm really hurting right now. Or I feel so angry and I don't want to. It feels bad. Or whatever. Like, I don't want to be angry at yeah. you, but I am angry at you. The other person just goes, oh, honey. Right. It's a natural reaction of, oh, you're suffering here. Let me be here with you.
1: Yeah. Because what I'm hearing is you're not saying you're making me feel this way, or <laughs> you did this. Right? It's a very, very different response that we get from our partners when we just own our experience. Yes, And we can share that from that place of just, I love that being vulnerable, being authentically who we are. Yep. And that does, it shifts the energy. It really Absolutely. does. Absolutely. It really, really does. Absolutely. Well, and Jane, I want to talk more too about this perfectionism, uh, because I too am a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> I so think right. I did <laughs> so I, I, I get this languaging quite a bit. <laughs> You know, and hearing some of that with your own journey, you know, the ability to stand in front of the mirror and not pick ourselves apart. What a great practice. And that's what it is, right? That we don't flip a switch and then all of a sudden we're not perfectionists anymore.
0: Right. But that's what perfectionists expect. Well, I did it once or twice. I should have it down by now. That's, I mean, how many times have you heard or said that to yourself? I certainly do. What's wrong with me? I should have this by now. Jane, you're just figuring out how to do it. I don't care. I should know it, right? Oh, look, you're being a perfectionist again. That's so cute. right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and the reality is when, when we got into these negative thought patterns, let's say, or, you know, behavioral habits, that didn't just happen overnight either. No. You know, it's, it's we listened to that critical voice over and over and over again until it became this automatic response. So we're going to have to practice over and over and over again with a new way of being with ourselves. Yes. So we can cultivate this self-acceptance.
0: Exactly. And one of the ways I like to talk about it with my clients, and I and I know you are a brain geek just from you know hearing your podcast, that one of the things that really helps is it's about neural pathways. It's about building neural pathways. Our old habits, our negative self-talk habits are, well, one, we're wired for it, you know, the negativity bias. But two. It's literally, they're super highways because we keep doing them again and again and again. While our new habits, our new desires of, oh, let me be a little kinder and gentler, are cow paths. But cow paths, we keep walking over them, become bigger paths until they become streets, until they also can become highways. So they can be more of an easy choice when we're faced with a choice point of, am I going to be triggered here? or am I going to do my new way? Right. We have more, it's easier for the brain to go where it's more highly wired. Yeah. Yeah. That's all habits do is just wire, 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 wire.
1: Yeah. And so what is the latest research around? I always, it always changes, you know, is it 21, 30 days for something to become a habit?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie, I'm I'm lost at this point. I'm like, it, it takes a lot of days.
1: <laughs> yeah. and, and like you said, we can't just do it once or twice and think, think we have it down. No. So it's this continual practice. And so for you in, in your, we'll call it recovery, right? From being a perfectionist, what was the most helpful for you? Or what were some techniques or things you used besides the hello gorgeous, which is fabulous? What else? The thing that has
0: been most powerful for me has been eliminating should, must, have to, and need from my vocabulary. Because, you know, when we say them, this is, and once again, perfectionists, and I have friends who will argue with me, no, those words work. And I'm like, okay, you you do that then. For me and for many people, when I say, oh, I should do that, oh, I have to do that, I immediately feel like I've already failed. Because if I Mm. should do it, even when I do it, I should have done it before. So there is no win, right? It's like, well, I finally did it. I should have done it before. There's no benefit. There's no acetylcholine in the brain. You know, that acetylcholine helps wire our neural pathways and it comes about with punishment, reward, or importance, right? So when we say I should have done that, we get no reward because- We didn't do it, quote, fast enough, right? So those words actually create additional pressure. Some people feel like turmoil. Some people feel, actually, you're willing to do it with me?
1: Sure. Okay. Yeah, love it. what's
0: something you have to do or you should do or something that you want to share with your audience?
1: Yeah. um, Okay. Well, so I'm actually planning a wedding right now. I just was recently engaged. Congratulations. Yay! So... You know, so, so I have to watch that. I'm one of those people too, that avoids those words. I always said, if I had a bumper sticker, it would be don't should on yourself. I know, I know. You know, because we do this and, you know, I, I would say I have to watch that thing of like, I have to, now I have this list, right. Right. Of of all these things. I have to contact this person. I have to set up the catering. I have
0: to. Awesome. You know, so beautiful. So say that I have to set up the catering and then close your eyes.
1: I have to set up the catering. And what are
0: you feeling in your body? Like, look at your face. Yeah, you're
1: grimacing. What are you feeling in your body? Yeah, immediately when I close my eyes and say that, I felt a tightening in my chest. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and even a little throat constriction. Yeah. So like you talked about that pressure immediately. Immediately. I have to.
0: And it's on your list for a reason, right? It's not like I'm saying, well, don't do it then, Stephanie. Like that's just not realistic, right? But if you say- Either it's a good idea, or it would be helpful. So use one of those and say the
1: same thing, and then close your eyes. Okay. So it would be helpful to get a hold of the caterer. And what do you feel? Totally different. That was interesting because I, I felt actually a lightness. Yes. Come over my forehead. Yes. And you're. It's like yeah, right okay, up. of course. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Thank you
0: for doing that because I know you're probably really good at like nope, get rid of that. But. It helps illustrate how we all feel with these words, like these small words, yeah. words have such power, like little tiny things have such power because it's on your list for a reason, right? But if we say, well, yeah, it would be helpful. That's why it's on my list. We take away that added stress. Now it still may be stressful. Like when am I going to fit that in? But right. we're not adding to the stress of what what's on our to-do list. So that's for me is eliminating should must have to need and for Midwesterners and Australians gotta and changing them with, it'd be a good idea. It'd be helpful. And if it's really, really true, I want to, or I get to, but only if that's true. Cause if we say, yeah, yeah, I've never said, Oh, I want to pay my taxes. Like I've never <laughs> said that. It would be lying in my body and be like stress, stress, but it's a good idea because I don't like the idea of being, you know, investigated and fined.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, this makes sense. Right? Well, and the other thing about what you're saying, I I always think of those words as having that punishing finger that's waving at you, yeah. that's shaking its finger saying you should, you need to, you must. Yeah. You know, and and it's like it's guilting and punishing us. It is punishing us. That's exa- that's yeah. the perfect word. Yeah. And just by changing the words, I mean, I don't think that there are so many times that people don't realize the power of words, the power of the words that we use. And I know that that's one of the chapters in your book. And when we come back from break, I want to talk about even more in depth this book, because I feel like there's so many techniques mm-hmm. and there's so many important things that help us on this journey. Number one, to move away from perfectionism and to truly get to that place we were speaking about in the beginning where we're like, I'm okay. yes, And I'm enough. Yes, beautiful. Okay, well, stay tuned. We will be back. We'll look forward to connecting with you in just a moment here on Igniting the Spark.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Welcome back to Igniting the Spark. I'm Stephanie James, and I'm here with Dr. Jane Tornator, and so thrilled to have you here with us. Gosh, we've just been having such an exciting conversation. This is the stuff that I absolutely love talking about because it's so essential. This is the stuff that truly helps people move the needle. Yeah. Yeah. And start making substantial change in their life. Yeah.
0: And what I just love is, you know, what I said earlier is, you know, the whole thing of self-love is selfish. Self-care is selfish. You know, and I'm sure you found this too. When people love themselves more, they just are more loving. They're kinder. They're nicer to the people around them. So self-love is actually one of the best things we can do to make the world a a better place. Like,
1: how cool is that? (laughs) Yeah and, and how interesting that forever it seems like we got the opposite message about that. Yes. Is that, that somehow that was selfish? I know. I know. You know, and I was definitely brought up that way as well. You focus on other people and it is amazing when we start doing and I love that you shared a couple things that were just small self-care but it really that is self-care. Yes. Yes. When we pause and I you know this is such a nurturing thing to put our hands on our heart yeah to acknowledge that we're hurting yeah you know to to go in front of the mirror and say hello gorgeous and and start loving you yes and get away from that that critical voice within us and there's so many more things we can do you know even just taking a little bit of time in the morning even if it's 10 minutes to do something for ourselves. And one of the things that caught my eye in your book was the chapter on gratitude, because that's one of my morning practices that really is one of those essential pieces of my day. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. I love that.
0: One, and I'm not enough of a brain geek to know what gratitude does to our brain. All I know is, is that it does really good things for our brain like it lights up really helpful areas it produces some chemicals it's just good for us it's good for our brain health
1: so i don't i don't maybe you know the mechanism that gratitude does i don't i guess what i what i do know is that our emotions actually they're able to now register them in like megahertz. Right. So we know there's lower frequency (laughs) emotions (laughs) and there's higher frequency emotions. So like despair, I think is the lowest right? and gratitude is the highest frequency emotion. So exactly. I mean, it's releasing dopamine. And when we get into a state of gratitude, our parasympathetic nervous system comes on board and it's like, we're just able to take a deep breath. Right?
0: Yeah. It's, it's such a powerful practice. And I started it by, I just knew that actually, can I tell a kind of a woo story?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So I have like, when I was starting my practice and I've, I've come from a family with money was always kind of like you're grasping for it. There was never enough. And it was, there was a lot of lack around money. And I was starting my practice and it was slowly growing. But what I noticed is that every year I would make more money. I would pay off more debt from grad school, but I would still be like, can I buy that bottle of shampoo this month? Like I would never have any more money, even though I was making more money, paying down more debt. It wasn't making logical sense to me. So I'm like, okay, so this is not logical. So let's try to you know, work out on a different level. So I decided one year that I was going to feel gratitude in the morning for 30 seconds. And I was going to buy myself a cup of coffee a week, whether I could afford it or not. Like that's how much my money lack was like playing me. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And what's really funny is by the end of the year, for the first time in five years, I didn't make any more money, but I had more savings. I was still continuing to pay down my debt at the same rate. I was eating dinners out. It makes no sense like it made no logical sense, but I firmly believe that i'm I'm gonna trust that I have enough money for a cup of coffee, and especially that I'm so great, I'm just grateful right yeah. I think those yeah. two things raised my frequency so I could be with my situation differently with a with less lack. It was. To me, it's still a hysterical story that for the first time in five years, I didn't make any more money.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And how interesting you felt more abundant. Yes,
0: I was more abundant. I had more money, even though I didn't make more. It makes no sense, but it's what I experienced.
1: (laughs) Yes. And I think that that's such an essential piece that we do when we're in a state of gratitude, we start changing our experience. Yes. And just like the principle in physics that what we focus on expands, we get more of what we are being grateful for.
0: Exactly. And I also think it cues, you know, the reticulator activating system, which is what we search for that in the, in the environment that matches our beliefs. If we're, if we're feeling gratitude, we're literally searching for what in our life is to be, we're to be grateful for, like we're literally changing our focus. so as you say, you know what we focus on expands and it's kind of like magic in a way I and mean, it makes total scientific sense and it also feels magical. I love
1: it It truly does yeah. it truly does and and I really do love that and I won't get into the story. Um, I do want to share though that when i I had done a three day reticular activating, system training. Wow. And really learning how we can not manipulate, that sounds terrible, but utilize, you know, the power to really program what we want to have show up. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a 30 day journaling exercise, where when I discovered what I needed to believe, because I was one of those people that was very driven, oldest child, I've got to do it all myself. Mm -hmm. So instead, when every day I was Journaling to the universe totally loves and supports me, Oof. which is huge, right, which yeah. is just this huge thing, and you think how ambiguous I cannot tell you what started showing up, some of which already was there right that i wasn 't attuned to right, right, like very, very supportive friends and sweet people, and pretty soon I was going to the coffee shop and getting free cups of coffee, and then I mean it was just little things started showing up. And I'm, again, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but I had some major things show up in my life where people really showed up and really miracles were happening yeah. where it blew the old belief system. Yeah, And it literally changed my life. Just that simple exercise. So yeah. when you're saying this, as we move into gratitude and we start looking and telling ourselves, I'm going to write down every day what I feel good about and grateful for. We're attuning our brain to notice more of that. Yes.
0: And can I add my tweak to it? Because um, yes. for me, because I am a perfectionist, I would write my list and then I go, really? You put your cats again? Don't you? Have-? Like I would start to critique my list, that my list wasn't good enough. And so it, it was not working. So what I did is I just I would find something that I felt grateful for and then I would close my eyes and feel what my great my gratitude felt like. And so then mm-hmm. I would just feel gratitude. I wouldn't list anymore. I would just mm-hmm. create the feeling of gratitude. And that was so much better for me. Some people love lists and it's super helpful for that. Many of my clients love writing stuff down. For mm-hmm. me, it didn't work. So that's another way to do gratitude if you're like me and you think your list sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I'm so glad you said that because that is an essential piece. And that I I truly believe that too when I practice that. So I call it marinating on the good feeling. Nice. Yes. We need to and I just read something the other day. I'm trying to remember where the source was. It was uh it was said like you have to hold it for 18 seconds was one of the research things that I that I was reading about, but it's holding that good feeling yes. just like you said, and really just allowing yourself to marinate on it, feeling that deep sense of gratitude. So it's not just enough to write it. Cause I do think our brain goes, yep, yep. yep. Know? <laughs> but you could actually put your cat on the list every single day. And if you held that in your yes. heart and let that resonate and marinate, then, Oh my gosh, that's just going to spread that good feeling, that joy, right? that experience in your life of like, Oh, I have enough. Things feel good. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've also heard like 18 or 20 seconds. Some people say 30, like, who knows?
0: I'm I, for me. I'm like, but if you hold it, that's good. Like just keep doing that. It for some people like I didn't make it for 18 seconds, especially people with ADHD. You know? <laughs> One of the things I yeah. say is moments count. Yeah. Eventually we will get to 18 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute man. Like who knows? Yeah. But and I'm wondering if it, I, I, I'm super curious, and maybe you know why, that time makes a difference. Like why marinating over, even although 18 seconds isn't, isn't super long, like what, like what in the brain kicks on with that, you know, committing
1: to kind of being there as long mm-hmm. as we can? Like, do you know? I don't know. Well, I think, I mean, like you were talking about with our brain's natural negativity bias. Yeah. You know, our brain is wired to survive, not to thrive. And it's constantly purging out of its file cabinet things that it doesn't feel that are necessary. Right. And most things that are necessary are pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I don't, I don't need this, you know, warm hug to survive, my brain thinks. Right. What I need to know is what's dangerous? What do I need to look out for? Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I go with that analogy that negativity is Velcro in the brain. In negative experiences the brain's like hold on to it remember that yep. but positive is like two fried eggs on a teflon pan yep. it slides right out yep. so i think that what they've measured is that it takes a certain amount of time to give the positive what i call stickability gotcha to get it to actually like register and that's why they say too when you write things down A lot of times you're staying with the thought longer than if you just think it and then it slides out. So to write it and then marinate and go like, I am making sure that this system (laughs) is getting, you know, this is important. Right. This is really important. Right. And then it sticks. Yeah. I'm wondering if acetylcholine has something to do with that.
0: Because taking the time signifies to our brain, this is important. Remember this, right. notice this, make this stick around for the future. I'm wondering if that might be part
1: of it. It makes sense yeah, to me. that makes, that makes sense to yeah. me as well. Yeah. So just time is important. Absolutely. Well, and so let's talk a little bit about, one of your chapters talks about uh, the brain is a scary place. <laughs> and why is our, why is, why we've been talking, you know, a lot about the brain, what is it about our brain that makes it a scary place? Well,
0: it's just like you said. It's the negativity bias for all our brain wants us to do is survive. Like, it doesn't care for happy. It doesn't care for relaxed. It just wants us to stay alive. And the example I frequently give is, you know, we, we are alive because our ancestors were on top of the game and were always alert. Like, the people who were laying on the rock going... It's such a sunny day. I'm kind of tired. I'm going to relax. What's that rustling noise? It's probably the wind. We're fine. Like they're dead, right? The tiger's <laughs> on them. They're gone. People are like, "What? What was that noise? Do you hear that? Do you hear that? What's? We got to run. It was the wind. I don't care. We're going. You know, those are the people that lived, and we get their genes. Yay! So, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I- so yeah, we're hardwired to survive. Yes. And even though our environment is very different now, you know, like text messages, email pings, when people, for me, when people say, Jane, or we have to talk, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to die. Like our system registers as live or die. Meanwhile, it's like, oh, that's going to be kind of uncomfortable, that conversation, but you're not going to die. Our system can't know that. So all the time, we're like, (laughs) (laughs) so it just takes that effort. That to create the positive, it's not even positivity bias. Positivity chance, I think, is a good. Mm,
1: I like <laughs> that chance
0: to respond of like I might be okay through this.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so great. And tell me, Jane, in your experience too, what what I find really helpful is to learn how to do the pause. Yeah, is what I call it. Yeah, because me. our brains are going to react that quickly. Yes. So it's not about ignoring the hit because we're going to get the hit. That's exactly what I'm hearing you say. You know, we are hardwired for the hit. Yep. Are, it's in so our, it's it's in our able DNA. To take, yeah. Yeah. And so to be able to take a breath as the hit happens and then breathe that out and go, I actually have a choice. Yes. Even though my brain is hardwired to do the automatic, if I take a deep breath or a couple deep breaths, truly, our breath can help anchor us and then we can say okay what is you know the truth of this situation what is yeah like you were saying Wow, when I hear someone say we need to talk, when did people say I always tell my couples, like, don't say to your partner we need to talk? (laughs) Right. Because that's an automatic trigger in our childhood when someone said we need to talk, somebody was in (laughs) trouble. And it was me, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So me a lot too. I get it. So but to be able to say what is it that you desire. Yes. And say, you know, I would really like to connect with you. Is this a good time? Yeah. Totally different vibe. Absolutely. It's funny, even
0: though we're not having a conflict, you just said, what is it you desire? My whole body went, what? Oh, I'm opening. What? Oh, this sounds exciting. Like literally my, my, my Mm. system responded, even though your words were not to me, just the words had that power. That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so this is so important. You know, I I love this conversation talking about gratitude paying attention. If we know this is how our, I think information, right. Is such a key in us understanding, why am I responding this way? Why am I having a hard time with this? Yeah. It's, it's like we've been talking about these hard laid. I love that you call it the cow path. You know, it's, it's like, yes, of course, this, this trail that we've just forged over and over and over again. Yeah. Um. That that they're actually, though, even if it's very hard laid trail, we have the power to start changing it and planting some seeds maybe that grow grass over that path and we carve our own new pathway. Right,
0: right. And that pause that you talked about is like a little pickhammer to the highway, like ding, 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 ding. So it's not automatically, just that pause starts to create potholes in the highway.
1: Yeah, yeah. Love that. Yes. So I want to make sure too, that I get to this thing about do onto yourself as you would others. Yeah. Cause we always hear the golden rule, you know, do onto others as you'd have them do onto you. You know, I already have, I love the adaptation of that, which is do onto others as they would have done onto them. um, Not just what you would do. And this is super essential. What I'm hearing you say, do onto yourself. Yes. Because usually, as you would to others, because usually we are giving love or giving care in in the way that we really need to receive it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you just said it perfectly right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and so again, you know, how does that help us? How does it help us if we do onto ourselves the way we do onto others? Well, just bottom line, we're less stressed.
0: When we take time, when we give ourselves kindness, when we take the pause, when we calm our system down, even by a couple breaths, we are more able to be non-reactive. So bottom line, we're making ourselves less stressed out individuals. And when we're more present with ourselves, we can be more present with what is versus history. Because often when we're reacting... The brain's like, this has happened before. I recognize this. I'm going to not let this happen again. Run away or fight or freeze or do whatever you have to do. But this is not okay, right? But if we come in in the moment and go, well, actually, there are no tigers here. (laughs) I can take some time, pause to respond about what's here, not what I think's here. Like one example. Oh my goodness, this was so humbling. I had a boyfriend who in my family... We would argue, and then someone would win, and then everybody else would be resentful, but we'd do what the winner wanted, right? This was was our dynamic. So we'd be like, I'm fine. I'll do it. No, I'm fine. So this is how we'd respond. So my partner and I had this discussion. I won. Won. We decided to do it my way. And then I'm like, are you mad at me? And he said, no, we had the discussion, and we decided to do it your way. I was like, yeah, but are you mad at me? And he said, No, we had the discussion. (laughs) And I asked a few more times, and he's like, I'm getting mad now because you're not responding to me. You're in some other situation right now. You are not responding to what happened with us. And I'm like, Oh, my God. He was absolutely right. I was responding to my past with my family. I was not with my partner. And that's what that pause can do. It that's what that self love, that self care, that self. what do I want from me? It enables us to be in the present moment more than our history. I mean, it's it's weird how it works, but that's what ends up happening. So we can be our full selves in the conversation, even if we're in conflict and we can be present with the other partner just because we've calmed our own system down and given our own self-love. And so we have more to give.
1: (laughs) We simply have more to give. Yes, gosh, yeah, that is so beautiful again, it's, it's like switching that channel. I think of it like a radio. Like if you're on at that certain frequency and you're living in the past or you're reacting out of the fight flight or freeze mode, I always liken it to like, you're listening to screamo music, which I do not like. And we think I have to keep listening to this. Yes. No, you don't. You can change the channel. You can change the frequency and tune in as you take the pause what really soothes you yes and and that bit of just I love that you know being loving towards yourself it's very loving towards yourself and truly just the act of putting our hands on our own heart no it's fascinating so
0: nurturing really is you know when we are not soothed we cannot soothe like bottom line yeah we cannot soothe if we are not soothed. it's impossible we've got nothing to give so it's actually so yeah. good for everybody else when we're like, hold on, I'm going to take some time and then I'll come back, but I'm going I'm, to give me some time, right? It's so good for the whole world.
1: <laughs> and that's just it. I mean, it's and, and it starts with each one of us. That's why this is such an essential message, Jane. It's really about as we start befriending and loving ourselves, yes. the ripple effects are huge. It's one of the huge. kindest things we can do. Huge. To everyone around us. The ripple effect is felt by everyone around us. So really I'm I'm so grateful and thankful for this information and for this wonderful time with you and these great tips that people can start utilizing to start that relationship with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And help spreading so much more love, self-love first, and then more love in the world. So how can people get a hold of you? Uh, they can go to my uh, website,
0: everydaylove.me, and I'm having a, i am um, having I have a program, Simple Self-Love for Overdoers, Overachievers, and Overgivers. It's a super complicated title, and I have to close my eyes every time I say it, but it's a, it's a five-week program that give a lot of simple tips and help people practice tools to start loving themselves, and
1: that's starting February 15th. Oh my gosh, yeah. invaluable. I yeah. absolutely love that. And your book is your book available?
0: Yeah, it's available on Amazon. I got it right here. Everything's perfect, just not me. A roadmap to self-acceptance, and it's a very short book because you know high achievers are super busy. So in like what fifty pages? There's some really well, I I love the tips. I'm a little biased, but I love my tips.
1: <laughs> well, and they've worked for you, right? Yes, they have. They've worked for you, and that's exactly why you're sharing them. So. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jane, if you were to leave with the audience what you want to make sure they receive as an essential message, oh, what would
0: it be? Yeah. You can love yourself now because
1: you're already worthy. That's what I would wish. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So, thank you so much for being here, audience. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will also check out my books available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. My newest book, Becoming Fierce, is available at fine booksellers everywhere. And go on to Plex Network. It's a free network. And go to the More You channel and you can see my first film, When Sparks Ignite still playing. You have to look up show times, but it really is about the challenges and difficulties we face that then become the match point that ignites something within us that become our gift to the world. So thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Igniting the Spark with Stephanie James. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast platforms, Make sure you subscribe and receive every episode. For more information about this show, my books, films, and events, go to stephaniejames.world and ignite your best life.
0: Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher For over 30 years, on my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode part of the mind body, podcast
1: network